listening to Our Stories, the Australian Army on Operations podcast. This is Talscoop Taji Rotation 4, a combined force of Australian and New Zealand military personnel who are here in Iraq on a training mission working with Iraqi security forces and law enforcement agencies. And with me today is Captain Isabel Cowley, who's one of the training team leaders here. So tell us a bit about what you're doing here today out on the range. Well, today we are training the Iraqi police force. We're training them to prepare them to be a hold force up north in Mosul. As a hold force, they can be expected to secure, defend and, well, effectively hold ground that has already been cleared but still needs to be secured against Daesh. Why is that so important? It's so that the ground that's already been cleared won't be retaken and it's all steps towards securing Mosul. In the end, that's what we want to do. That's what they want to do. And you've been working with the police here for some weeks now. So tell us a bit about what you've observed as a training team leader. In the end, they're just like every other force that we've trained and every other force that you work with back in Australia. They're just soldiers. They want to be better. They've seen a lot of devastation, uh, which is very sobering for us as an ANZAC force here. They've started at a, I guess you'd call a recruit level. They've increased pretty significantly, which is good for us. It's good for them. We had them doing individual drills at first, so basic marksmanship, uh, fire and movement, reacting to contact, all those kind of things. And now we've moved them up to larger group activities such as vehicle checkpoints, all kinds of security operations. We've taught them uh, urban clearances of compounds. And now we're moving into how to defend those compounds once they've cleared them. You talk about some of their experiences being sobering. What have they been telling you about their experiences? Because many of them come from Mosul, don't they? The most sobering part is just how normal it is for them. They'll tell you how potentially their house has been destroyed, all their belongings, their families now living, you know, in tents. But to them, it's just, it's so normal. And to us, it's so abnormal. And that's when you realise how much devastation they've actually faced here and how important it is what we're doing. And talking to some of the police here today, I've heard stories that some of them have lost their entire families to Daesh. Yeah, it's not just possessions. Lives have been lost. A lot of the police force are quite young. Uh, We have soldiers who are aged between 18 to 22 years of age. And to see them so passionate about bettering their country, it's, it's very cool. And as you say, passionate, because that's a message that's come through very strongly today. We've just been talking to a couple of the guys here. One of them was Abbas, who's 25, from Mosul. And there was his friend who was also with him. And they were both talking about how they want to go back to Mosul to protect the city and to protect families and civilians. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of uh, family pride in what they're doing, but then there's also a lot of personal pride. They've seen such devastation and they just want to live in a world where their families can be safe, where they can be safe, they can be educated. And uh, and yeah, so what, they, what we're teaching them here is steps towards, I guess, that, that better place. And we can hear some live firing happening in the background here. So you touched earlier on some of the skills that you've been teaching them. And obviously weapons handling is a crucial part of that. Yeah, absolutely. We've been lucky in the fact that they had minimal training before they came to us. So we were able to really establish a safe and solid Uh, footing for their weapon drills. Um, They have a real appreciation for the weapon system, which is great to see as trainers. The ranges are exciting. It's great to see their reactions when they hit the targets. 
that kind of, I guess, fulfilment and how proud they are of themselves and what they've learnt, that, that's a pretty good feeling for everyone. And what are relations like then between you as the trainers and the trainees? I mean, they seem to be very positive. Yeah, it's a very positive relationship that we've experienced so far. They're so willing to learn. As I was saying, because of what they've seen, they want to just take all the knowledge out of our heads, which is great. They rock up to training. They don't want to leave training. They're pretty happy people. As far as relationships with trainers go, I guess they love to have a joke with us. They love to know what our life is like back in Australia, which is always fun to talk about. They appreciate the fact that we're on deployment, we're away from our families as well, which, yeah, as I said, when they talk about their home life and how sober it is for us, they think we've got it really bad because we're here and and we really don't have it that bad compared to some of the things that they've done. But they've only been positive with their interactions with us, so that's been good. Tell us a bit more then about your background. Um, Do you have family back in Australia? My parents are at the Sunshine Coast. I've got a sister in Brisbane and a brother in Sydney. Um, I joined the Army in 2012, went through my 18 months at the college and then I posted to 812 Regiment as an artillery uh, general service officer and I've been at 812 ever since. And why did you choose artillery? I've always wanted guns. I don't know why. It's just something that was really attracted to me especially during my time at RMC, I remember seeing a gun display that was put on for us as cadets and the attitude of the gunners and how they completely changed from being these larrikins to being the most switched on individuals I've ever seen when they they got that mission come down. I thought I want to work with those kind of people. So I put artillery down and it was open to women at this stage. That was really fortunate. And yeah, I got A12, which was my pick of the regiments up in Darwin and I haven't looked back. You don't strike me yourself as a larrikin. No, (laughs) Probably not, but that's all right. I'm surrounded by enough larrikins that it kind of evens us all out. (laughs) And as an artillery officer, what does your job entail then when you're not on deployment? Artillery's got an excellent career progression for officers. I started off as a troop commander of two gun detachments uh, and then progressed to a troop commander of four gun detachments. I then moved into a control post officer gig, which is essentially analysing the firing data and then sending that firing data to the guns so that the guns can engage. I've now been trained and moved into a forward observer position, so I'll head out and support combat teams on the ground, whether it's infantry or armour or, or whatever. I'll be in charge of fires and effects for that combat team, just at the pokey end. So how much of that experience as an artillery officer are you using out here in Iraq? Um, Not so much the artillery-wise, but you could say that across all corps. So in my team, I have an engineer, I have a medic, I've got cavalry soldiers, and then myself. Here, we're relying on our basic training, which is actually really good to get us all back to our roots. There have been opportunities where we've been able to delve more into our subject matter expertise. Yeah, not too much artillery being used here, unfortunately, but I'm still really enjoying it. What are you hoping then to get out of this experience in terms of an overseas deployment? I'm hoping to grow my skills as a leader. I'm hoping to build solid networks with our coalition forces over here as well. I've been doing a bit of work with the American pilots and doing a bit of training with them, which has been really exciting. That's probably where I've gone closest to home as far as artillery is concerned. I'm hoping to develop professionally as an officer over here. There's quite a few officers over here, so we've been able to um, really look at how we tackle problems, how we, I guess, assess our capabilities. Also, just want my team to have a good time. I want to get us all home, home in time for the dry season. Is it what you expected coming out to Iraq? 
you know what it is it is exactly what I expected we're the fourth rotation though now so hopefully there's not too many skeletons in the closet the weather is cold the food is very American the accommodation is good uh, so yeah it's it's pretty good in terms then perhaps of what you're going to take back home with you what do you think your lasting memories and experiences are going to be from here Probably the training audience, the Iraqi security forces, it's surprising how much like Australians and New Zealanders they are in the end. Yes, they speak a different language, but they're just soldiers. They like some commanders, they don't like some commanders. They don't want to crawl around in the mud, just like how I wouldn't expect my soldiers to want to crawl around in the mud. They like shooting their guns. We like shooting our guns. They're completely different background. They face completely different situations to what we face, but we're surprisingly similar. And do you feel you're making a difference here? Yeah, we are definitely making a difference. You see it with a period of instruction that goes for four weeks, from what we started with to the level they're at now. You feel pretty proud. Captain Isabel Cowley, thank you very much. This is Captain Sharon Maskeldare reporting from Talscript Taji, Rotation 4. This podcast is produced by the Australian Army and is copyright the Commonwealth of Australia.